My name is Garrett Smith. And uh, we have a very special episode tonight. Um, a filmmaker reached out to us uh, uh, looking to uh, get some more eyes on their movie. It is a film called Me and the Cult Leader. Mm-hmm. And it is the story of a man who fell victim to a sarin gas attack in the subway attack in the... Wow, saying sarin gas attack activated Siri on my phone. <laughs> um Okay, so yeah, uh, fell victim to a sarin gas attack that is apparently very well known in Japan, and it was an attack on the subway that was put forth by a cult, and he has put together a movie where he spent a very long time with the face of this cult, uh, sort of on a road trip together, and it's one of the most fascinating documentaries that I've ever seen, Yeah. and so uh, we are interviewing the star and director of the movie, uh, Atsushi Sakahara. And one of the producers, Pearl Chan. Yeah. Uh, And we uh, are very grateful to both of them for their time. This interview is super fun to do. So uh, we'll turn you guys. Go ahead. They had to get up so early to do it. Oh, God, yeah. It's ridiculous. They are calling in from from Japan and from Hong Kong. And so whereas it's Friday evening here, it is very early in the morning there. So we're doubly gracious for that. Yes. Uh, so we'll turn you guys over to that interview now and, uh, you know, we'll come back on the other side of it and uh, close out the show with y'all. So uh, we are here with Atsushi Sakahara and Pearl Chan. Uh, Atsushi is the, well, you're the star, but you're the director of uh, the new film, The Cult Leader in Me. Uh, and uh, you guys are here today. around. It's me and the cult leader. Me and the cult leader. Yes, yes. And if actually, you're looking wait, for it in IMDb, if anyone who's listening is looking for it, you'll probably find it under the atonement. Um, but the title is me and the cult leader. And I Maybe wanted to get this the subtitle so in here too. I'm sorry because it's a modern report on the banality of evil, which I loved when that came up on screen. <laughs> yeah. And so with us, yes, we have the director and star at Sushi Sakahara and producer. Pearl Chan. So uh, welcome. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us where you are right now? Oh, I, my name is Atsushi Sakara. I'm a film director based in Kyoto, Japan, a uh, suburb of Kyoto city called Nagaoka Kyoto city. That was a capital just for a decade, right before we had the capital in Kyoto. <laughs> and you've gotten up so early yeah. in order to do it's the not, show it's, for it's us. It's okay. It's 7 a.m. So, thank so you. I, I don't complain. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's uh, six o'clock here in the afternoon on a Friday, so this is like wind down time uh, for us here. So, and so Pearl, uh, where are you right now? I'm in Hong Kong, um, and it's it's looking like it's going to be a lovely day. The sun was just rising as I was sitting down to chat with you guys, um, oh, and I'm excited to be here. Right on. So, um, so yeah, the movie that you've brought to the show is a very interesting documentary. And I wonder if uh, either you or both of you could give us just a little bit of background as to how you came together and a little bit of the story behind the documentary. Atsushi, do you want to? 
All right. Yeah. So back in 1995, March 20th, you know, uh, they attacked uh, five places of Tokyo subway system with Salingas. And uh, they killed uh, maybe now 13 or 14, maybe, I don't know the exact cause of that, the number in, in, increases, right? Yeah. So maybe yeah. 15 people, 13 they killed, and 6, 000, more than 6,000 people were injured. And I'm one of 6,000 people. Yeah, now, At the time, Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I, I so this is I'm immediately going to bring my ignorance to the table here, which is that I had never heard of this attack before your your movie. I, I imagine that it is I, I get the impression from the movie that this is um uh you know what would you say like this is a well known event in, in recent Japanese history. That's right. Yeah. Well, well that one of the the biggest uh how can I say crime in Japan. It's mm -hmm. the okay. biggest uh, domestic terrorist attack. That's okay. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, and so yeah, so for our listeners to clarify, this attack happened and it was uh, performed by members of a cult, and so Atsushi, you were injured in this attack. That's correct. And um, how, how old were you at the time? At the time, I don't remember. <laughs> maybe 29 28 something like that i don't remember i was born at 90 uh, 29 i was okay, born 1966 so attack was uh 1995 so okay gotcha yeah and so i don't want to i don't want to like jump on the story but i also don't want to uh, step on your toes here so as a survivor of this attack Yes. Um, this cult still remains active, and yes. so this movie sort of sort of came out of you know that sort of being the situation. Can you speak a little bit about that? Mm. Uh, you know what? Uh, if you experience uh, the incident like this, and you become a filmmaker, yeah, you cannot avoid uh, considering uh, this as a, a material or theme for your film, correct? Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it, and uh, and then I left Japan after the attack. I went to the stage. I studied business, not film. Then mm -hmm. I came back, and then I I I got married, right? And then the, my ex-wife uh, turned out to be a, a former member of the Omu. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, then. Sort of, uh, I, I came to have a, a period of uh, meditation for a long mm -hmm. time. Why this happened? Why, 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 why? And then I, you know, naturality. And then I started asking myself, you know, oh, what do I know about them? Mm. Because if you're a victim, you don't talk about it. If you're yeah. a victim, uh, you don't try, you try not to, not meaning that you, you really don't want to watch the, those uh, uh, documentary news about Omo. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. And then, but uh, then, yeah, then the question, what do I know about them, led me to this uh, documentary. And so the, the group is called Ohm, or they're referred to as, as Ohm. Yes, that's um, right. And I, I was curious, so this attack is, is like a famous attack in Japanese history. I assume then Ohm is, is a very well-known cult in Japan. Are they still? Like, yes. well, are they still prominent? Are they still well known? Like, this is a. Yes, very prominent, very well known. Yeah. Cult organization. And still, it's expanding. 
Yeah. Okay. A lot of young young people are joining now. This reminds me so much of the way Scientology is in the States, mm. where everybody is aware and on board with the notion that it is a cult, but it seems ever growing and ever popular, which is just, yeah. it's wild. So uh, before we get too much into the themes of the movie, though, Pearl, how did you come into this process? Um, so I do film sales, which means that I represent films and then I take them to international film markets and festivals. Um, to sell them and so um, I was working with so part of my work is with the Hong Kong Film Festival collection which is this uh, collection that the film festival runs where they hold the rights to things and so we found at Sushi's project through um, another one of their initiatives uh, which is the Asia Financing Forum so Atsushi's film uh, was there in, in, in 2018 I believe um, and as a work in progress and so we signed the film there and we were working with it initially just on sales. And then I realized basically that like Atsushi was going it alone. And so I started working more and more with him and eventually got on board doing more producing roles. And so technically I'm listed as a co-producer with Atsushi being the producer because he's done you know the bulk of the work. He's been at this since like 2015, right? Um, and so the main thing that I did when I came on board was uh, to work with him to get a different cut because I mean he can elaborate on this but I think cutting was very difficult for him it brought back a lot of PTSD which resulted in um, like he'll tell you about it but it makes him really sleepy to work with the film sometimes like anything to do with the cult his body shuts down um, and um, I think it was just really really hard for him and so when we brought on Junko Watanabe who's a uh, a Japanese editor based in Paris. Uh, she really managed to pull the entire thing together and she actually gave us a longer cut, but we think it's a stronger cut. Uh, so that's how I got involved. Excellent. I, I, you know what, I, I would say that's a great decision to have made it a longer cut because watching this movie was a very patient experience and yeah. I'm sure we'll get into it deeper, but uh, that patience is like almost the, almost the lesson that I took from the film overall was you know this idea of patience and listening so was, I'm very glad that it was a longer and slower cut so that I could feel more present with uh, Atsushi and um, oh no no I'm gonna forget his name Araki. 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 and yeah, uh, I don't even think it's a slower cut in fact I think it's like it's just it's just a more coherent cut but um, mm -hmm. yeah I get what you mean I think you really have to be in the mood to watch it like it's not something you just like put on <laughs> so often i see documentaries that really work to be heavily cinematic and mm -hmm. in those heavily cinematic moments the film starts to accidentally become untruthful because of the just the way that it's edited and i never got that feeling here and it was because it was that long slow cut it just felt as if you're presenting something as opposed mm -hmm. to as opposed to, you know, trying to force me to feel a certain way. You were just presenting it out there. And it, it's so pure compared to so many documentaries that I see. And I really appreciated that aspect of it. It, it feels... Yeah, um, oh, sorry. You can go ahead. Oh, it's okay. I, I was really only going to echo what Dan said. It just it feels like <laughs> a very honest film to me. <laughs> that um, I, I don't want to say it lacks a, a perspective. That's not actually what I mean. But, but I... 
in the way that it doesn't have an editorial slant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 In, in the that's, way that a lot of documentaries. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's what I really wanted uh, to achieve. Thank you very much. Because still, this issue is uh, uh, going on now. Mm -hmm. This is not like uh, looking back at the past and we discuss about what happened. Mm -hmm. Still, Araki is living and his families are out there. And uh, my father passed away last year, but uh, my families are here. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to be truthful. And then still more than 6,000 people are having a pain every day out of the, uh, the post effect, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's still controversial. So that's why all I wanted to achieve the truthfulness, you know? And yeah. the challenge, yeah, challenge was to, to manage how I can make it enjoyable for audience. Mm -hmm. You know, if I go, you know, if I'm too hard on the uh, lucky, you say, oh, Atsushi, this is strong, but it's not enjoyable. You cannot put it in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, but that's the balance, you know. So I cannot do it because some, you know, I, I was driven to go, you know, harder and harder on Araki. Yeah. Not, I'm not, I'm hating him, but I just wanted to make sure nobody would join them yeah. by watching my film. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want it to accidentally become propaganda for, for that That's group. right, that's right. right. Yeah. The, the, the key is though, that I had, uh, uh, you know, uh, I have to explain that, you know, there is a, there is a one very well-known OMU executive, OMU executive member called uh, Fumihiro Joyu, and he was expelled by uh, Alaki. He was a former boss of Alaki. Mm -hmm. And the 2015, uh, during the shooting, I published a book, a dialogue book with him. And the right Around the time, you know, uh, I, I I asked him, okay, I victim listen to you very carefully. Who else do you want to tell? And then I I heard your story thoroughly. I listened to your story thoroughly. What else do you want to tell? You should not have anything to say anymore, right? I faced it to you, spending two days to listen to you, and we decoded it. And then my editor, book editor, worked on it, right? And then. You know, I know that the freedom of speech, you know, he can say whatever he wants to. And then my editor was on that side. That's democratic. That I like it. But he should not have anything to say more. But he called me. He argued me, argued me. Atsushi, although you said that your film might help Aleph, in a sense, to recruit a new member. Mm -hmm. I had a fierce conversation on mobile phone. Then I was put huge pressure. He is the one who is known for a very, very eloquent and flamboyant PR director, appeared on TV, nationwide, everybody knows. And then he challenged me. So I, I had to take it, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I, I, I proved I won it. I proved I won it because I listened to him, right? And then 2018, I was on the news show hosted by the one of the most notable TV journalists, Akira Kegami. He invited me as a uh, guest. Mm -hmm. And then somehow the TV station managed to get the Joyu on TV. Right? And then 
I, I, I face face through the monitor. I talk to him, and then uh, he start. He always tries to. Uh, how can I say? Uh, to to try to run away from the discussion, and then mm -hmm. that was not the part of the deal with the TV station. He didn't talk about it at all. But around the time, uh, one of the very notable uh, sort of a journalism magazine called Bungi uh, Shunju approached him. He forced, he was forced to reveal that he did not tell, he had had not tell, he had not told the story that he so he was with the twelve of, uh, or other executives when a young lady was murdered. Oh, but he was not arrested because uh, the duration of whatever you know, like the pub said, you know, the time expired. So yeah. otherwise, he was about to. You know, get out of the observation by the agency in, in yeah. Japan, CIA. But he still stayed there. You know, because he didn't tell a truth, right? Yeah. If you don't tell a truth, who can believe him? You know. Mm -hmm. So my book is a very, very uh, came to now came to be a very interesting book because that witness he didn't tell everything. He hide. He, he you know he didn't tell everything. You know. Right. In um in the the film, the mention of the book comes up uh, sort of at the midway point, and having been unfamiliar with this attack on the whole and unfamiliar uh, with your story at all, it was kind of interesting the way that the information revealed itself. Where mm -hmm. you know midway through the movie, I went, oh, Atsushi has a book about this. Okay, mm -hmm. interesting, and that goes deeper. And like, I I didn't even really understand what uh what the framing device of this entire trip was until the very end. Mm. I, I had the question of, you know, how did how did this get arranged? How did they come together? But mm. I, I appreciated not knowing that stuff until the end because it ended up giving me a bit of a thorough history lesson mm. that I would I wouldn't have it wouldn't have resonated with me as well if it was just you know just a straight up history lesson up front. Having it come out naturally like that uh, really uh, drew me into it. Because I avoided it. You know why? Because I'm not in the position to tell the whole picture. I'm not a journalist. I'm not expert, right? There are many uh, opinions, and uh, if I do it, you know, I'm the film director, meaning I'm the mighty god in the film, right? <laughs> I, I can manipulate anything, you know, which I don't. I, I don't want to. It's not fair, right? right. That yeah. that is a challenge, you know. Yeah. I can I can go into the detail, but. Favoring whose opinion, whose side, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mass media side or government side or little liberal left-wing uh, people's side. Yeah. Or yeah. so I, I I I didn't want to do it. So help me with one one piece of information here because something as Dan was saying, like I really liked the way the the movie disseminates its information, and something that I didn't realize until the end was that I think I understand this correctly. Iraqi's role within the organization is he's their PR guy. Is that uh, his, accurate? His, his title is PR guy, correct? Okay. The cult is run by the executive committee, made of okay. about twenty executive members. Okay, including and, him. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, about twenty. We don't know the. I don't know the exact number, but about yeah. twenty. Okay. And he is one of the key figure who works in the administration. 
Okay. They don't have only one leader. Okay, okay. I was curious about that too. Yeah, it goes over the and the attack. Yeah, oh, okay, right. Because the they had a singular leader. He gets put behind bars after the attack. And so then is he who they keep referring to as the guru? And then there's this organization that actually is sort of more in charge of things since he's behind bars. Yeah, so if you've seen the film, um, the guy with like long hair with the long beard who's very yep. round looking, that's uh, Shoko Asahara. Okay. The guru. And he's who they refer to as the guru. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. He's the only yeah. one who's the yeah. guru. Okay, okay. Interesting. And, and so help me with how you come into contact with Araki specifically. Like, ah. what is. What is his interest in you and wanting to be part of your film? Okay, so first I uh, send an email to the organization. Yeah, I always yeah. knock the door, knock the door, and the front door. Okay? Yeah, I don't yeah. say anything, you know, like, uh, you know. Then, basically they ignored me. So I, now, I call them up. One of the branches, why, why, do, why he doesn't uh, respond to me, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, and then, oh, no. Why you don't respond to me? And then whom should I talk to? And then the person who took my phone call says, Araki, you should talk to Araki. He's PR director, he's in charge. Okay, okay. so <laughs> I shot a, a videotape introduction, video message, and I send it to him with the email. Could you please watch my uh, video message? And that video message worked well. And he responded to me about uh, in a two months or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And he had the chance to come to Kyoto. We met him. I don't remember because he he never clearly apologized. But I think he he thought he might apologize to might have. Yeah. So you do you think that that was his motivation for agreeing to meet you? Was that he was. He was already feeling some kind of way about this and wanted to speak to you about this? Yes, or, yes. or Okay, okay. Yeah, he had, but, but truth is, the truth is, he is the one who's, who believes, heavily believes in the karma, right? Yeah. So, it, it, it's such a, a, many, many coincidences, you know, with him. We grew up in the same suburban area between Kyoto and Osaka. I don't know this. Our family are coming from the same region, basically in Japan. We attended the same college around the same time. Yeah. He knew it because I published my autobiography 10 years ago. Right. And then he told me that he avoided reading it because he, it was so scary for him, you know? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he, I think he had a strong motivation to see what happens if he accepts my interview request. Yeah. Does their group typically show any sort of uh i mean it's very clear they're not interested in an apology but do they typically show any sort of public sensitivity towards the victims no, or is no. it something that they just they just ignore it entirely yeah well wow. the last okay. decade or more than a decade they never apologize I, they araki is a pr director he never shows up on media hmm. but in the same way in the same way they were cornered to say solely, in a way, but it, it doesn't really mean anything to us the way they mm-hmm. speak. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It's so. What it, were you it, about to say there, Pearl? Yeah, go ahead, Pearl. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, um, I was actually going to say that they, yeah, exactly what Atsushi said. Like, they're very diplomatic about the way they handle it. Got Basically, it. they apologize enough to survive. Yeah. Um, and also that Araki in particular uh, was in two documentaries about Om, um, mm. which are very um, basically really big documentaries in terms of if you're really interested in the topic, which are called A, and then the sequel, which is A2. Um, and I also wanted to mention that like uh, I spoke to a friend of mine who saw this, who grew up in a different cult, and he said that one of the reasons why he thinks Iraqi would have done this is to be able to prove that he's correct. Mm. Um, mm. And also to prove to himself that he's correct. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm so in the right that I can go talk to someone who's a survivor of the attack mm-hmm. and um, I can maybe convince him of yeah. basically the good that we're doing. Yeah. That if, I'm like convinced, that... if I'm convinced, the cannot say no, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's fine, you know? Uh-huh. I really liked that phrase you used, Pearl, where you said "apologize just enough to survive." That's, that's a right. really that's a really interesting way to put it. And I know that oftentimes, uh, just in terms where apologies are issued or, or given and all that, you know, we always ask like, "What is it about an apology, you know, that that we require to actually accept it?" And I've never heard it put better than that. I would, you know, an apology is someone <laughs> is someone who apologizes, you know. <laughs> Just enough to survive. That is not an apology. I, I that's love that. Very, uh, yeah, the part of the explanation, that explanation is particularly very good. Actually. It's like, yeah. like apologizing enough to get a comedy special in two years. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes. Great reference. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm trying to think what, where I really would like to, to, to steer this next and talk to you more. So, I, yeah. I've got something. One of the things that I thought was really, really interesting that occurred throughout the movie, and I wonder if this is something that you were hoping to do at Sushi or whether it was something that sort of happened, but I was very moved by the scene where you were skipping stones. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was moved by it is that Araki lives this very repressed life. You know, the mm-hmm. whole idea of this cult is don't give yourself any pleasure at all. Mm-hmm. And... um he ends up feeling some pleasure there. He, he wants to throw one more stone. That's and, right. And he can't do it. And one of the interesting things that, that you know, made me think that he, he could potentially give an apology was watching his face light up and seeing that there's actually a life to live outside of this cult. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it seems like you worked very hard to sort of stoke that flame with the, with the jacket, with the skipping stones, with playing yeah. music for him. Um, Thank you. I really respected that way of trying to open him up and appealing to that. Yeah, right. Because uh, I'm a so amateurish film director. I'm an amateur. Okay. <laughs> if, if you are, okay, there is a, another story I always, nobody really uh, write, even if I'm answered in a Q&A or, you know, interview. Because I'm a so amateurish. So actually, before the shooting, I interviewed how many? Five, six people? I interviewed uh, the, the member of Ale who are living uh, with Alaki. He attended the meeting always, make sure as a PR director everything's all right. And then I found out that Haruki Murakami did the same thing. And Alaki attended. So I, I asked him, what do you think of uh, Haruki Murakami? Oh, Atsushi? It's very author-like. 
meaning he's very <laughs> professional. He didn't he didn't talk about himself. He listened to carefully. I know that very intelligently. So meaning I'm not like a professional. What do you mean? You know, that I found that I'm I'm talking a lot and I tell my story a lot to make them open up. Mm -hmm. So basically, and subconsciously, the uh, I took the strategy that I rather the alaki with my information. Mm -hmm. So you know, like a human nature is, if you smile at the baby, the baby will smile you back. So if, then I I asked the alaki, don't tell it to me right now because we are not rolling the camera. His brother with all the information I have, and he he was <laughs> eager to respond to me. So it, so see in my film, I always go to my place first. Correct. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. actually, the skipping stone river is close to the river, uh, close to the uh, shrine in the town. In the yeah, village. Yeah, yeah. My my grandfather used to be the priest. So I took him to the shrine, and uh, this is my grandfather used to be a priest after he retired from the being a school principal in the village. You know. Mm. Or something like that, and then okay, let's go to drop by where we. I tried to fish cup, you know, and then we started doing skipping stone. But I genuinely tried to introduce myself. Yeah, you're mm. um, you're actively humanizing yourself as much as possible in front of him. Is is what it sounds like to me, right? Like you're you're yeah, yeah. you're um you're, you're trying you. I mean. It, you're preying on his sympathies, on his humanity. You're trying to find what humanity might be in there that mm. he can respond, he will respond with when he sees yours is kind mm. of what it, I mean, frankly, the thing that I was most impressed by is your infinite patience with him. Uh, to me, you spend so much of the movie listening to him and mm. letting him talk into his own circles and his own corners that he then has to find his way out of once he hears himself say certain things out loud. Um, I was very impressed with the amount of patience that you showed him um, as you, as you're saying now, I think as you sort of laid yourself bare in front of him, mm. you showed an infinite amount of patience in allowing him to respond to that and trying to listen to what his response was to that. I, I was fascinated by how you almost disarmed him with your mm. just quiet ability to listen to him. Yes, thank you. Uh, because uh, there are two things, it's, you know. Uh, you know, do you know, as you, you are not, no Japanese knows any victim who really survived in the subway. Okay. With this film, I came to be known, probably, meaning nobody really knows what happens to us in mm. terms of the post effects and anything, you know. So I'm not really uh, supporting the way the government and handled. And obviously, Alaki doesn't like government. <laughs> <laughs> really. So I wanted to find uh, a mutual ground which I can share. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's like a, a wedge that you can see that that you can kind of get your way into, right? There's a, there's something yeah. there that you guys link up on in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I just wanted to, sorry, Atsushi, to interrupt you. I just want to add that for a long time, Atsushi was told that there are no um, post effects, there are no effects to sarin oh. gas exposure, and um, the and the expert who told him 
checking that, then went back and checked um, and told him that actually there are research, there is research on the exposure of sarin gas and its effects. Yeah. So I can give can you a bit you, of a history yeah. on sarin gas. It was developed by the Nazis as part of their chemical warfare. Um, yeah. And uh, the cult actually managed to synthesize it on their own. Um, and it's actually not too difficult, I think. Um, and so it's also being used in Syria. Okay. Um, I think in 2015, if I'm not incorrect. Um, but yeah, it's just a really awful, um, it's a really awful weapon. Yeah. 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 So I used to be a member of the NPO called the Recovery Support Center. You, you will, you would not believe in this story. Then I become a bold, right? And uh, the very left-wing uh, former communist member, Atoni, is the head of the organization. I wanted to take some actions to improve the situations. You know who said what he said to me? Atsushi, no post-traumatic. Don't worry about it. I know it because I have a depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So he, he cannot, he doesn't know the difference between depression and post-traumatic from the Saringas. That's mm -hmm. a reality. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, you know, that's why I, I wanted, I really wanted to get to the place where I can tell nobody ignores my voice. Mm -hmm. but, but the theme of the film is not this, but, you know, that's the situation. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've uh, put a face to this, yes. uh, this event that, that happened that it sounds like, I think what I'm gathering from what you guys are both sharing right now is that the government would specifically like the public to believe that while the attack may have happened, there are not side effects from it. Like people are fine. It was not as bad as what, am I understanding right. that correctly? That's the that's government's right. position that's right. on so this? So that, that's why I started coming out with this film yeah. in Japanese society. People started changing opinions slightly. It's very interesting. <laughs> oh, oh, they are aware of what I'm doing. You know, I'm coming up, right? Yeah. Oh, they say, oh, there are some people who are still suffering. They, the way they speak is totally change, changing now. And then also coming back to the point why I was so, patient uh mm. to him is you know what many people think that i don't know in my case in my particular case i survived in the subway gas attack right but that means i was about to be killed without any reason randomly and then i don't know maybe because of that or i had uh, my uh personality before that i want to believe in the good in humans you know Mm. No, no, people wouldn't do this, you know. So I'm, so I, I haven't given up Alaki yet, personally. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to believe in the good in hu humans, you know. So that's why I won't give up. So I was, you know, quite hard on him during shooting, but that's not I'm angry, in, for, out of anger, mm -hmm. or I, I hate him. I just like, I mean, I just trying to be like a big brother who was. Sure. Who That's was a really good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. worrying about a small younger brother who did the shoplifting, you know? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> My hand is aching. I don't want to do it. I made a note when I was watching the movie that the term that I, that I uh, wanted to use was that you were, uh, oh no, where did I go? I said <sighs> that you had a very affable confidence. Uh, the way that you interrogated him and like really just logically dismantled his whole yeah, belief yeah. system, but the way you did it uh, seemed 
it didn't seem like browbeating. It was inquisitive, and mm-hmm. uh, it was these pointed questions that you handled so politely. And to echo Garrett, I, I definitely was like, I don't know how he's not just hitting this guy right now. Oh, but yeah. at the same time, by the end of the movie, I was convinced that that he was right on the door of making an apology. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the powers that be miti- <laughs> mitigate such thoughts. But uh, it, yeah, they- I was so impressed with how close you got him. Because, and, and the method that you used is one that's so rarely used. And here in evidence it was just it was just beautiful to see dan and i uh right after the movie started texting and i was like no two americans would ever treat each other this way you could not put like two americans together where one was like on one side of a power struggle that the other was like the victim of and put them on a train for like however many days it was a couple of days together they would just shout at each other the whole time there would be no patience there would be no listening there would so we were we were joking about that as we were uh, you know coming off of it, but the, so the other thing is um, uh, that I wanted to talk about, and this this goes to what what um, Dan was just saying there is um, what I, Dan and I were talking about. Like it seems like at the end, Iraqi is on the verge of something, right? Like it it right. seems like he's on the verge of some sort of realization, mm. whether it's one for himself or at the very least one for feelings, some sort of regret towards you or something like that it seems like he's right on the verge of something but he never gets there he he ultimately um or at the very least he sticks with the the party line the company line right like he ultimately comes back to i'm not going to apologize for this you know it's he sticks that line and and what i said to dan was so i i um when i was younger i was it, not the same kind of cult, but I was part of a, a like a Baptist church in, in America. Um, and uh, I, I have come to understand that I was in what I would consider a cult. Um, I, it was nothing as extreme as what's going on in your film. Um, but, I, you know, I have come out on the other side of that many years ago. But what I said to Dan when we were talking about this was I could tell very early on that that guy wasn't out yet. And when Mm. you are part of something like this, you're not out until you're out. Like, Mm. I kind of knew that this movie was going to end with him not being able to apologize ultimately Mm. because he was not out yet. And it it, it fascinates me to hear you say at Sushi that you still have not given up on him because as Mm. somebody that has come out on the other side of something akin to this, Mm. I I think you're right that he, you did move the needle with this guy. Like Mm. I think, I think Iraqi, he may not have apologized but he probably entered the situation thinking, I don't need to apologize. Right. And I think he emerged from it going, I probably should. Yeah. And even that much of a needle move is, is huge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I, I just was, I'm fascinated to hear that you're still have not given up on him because I, I, frankly, from what I saw in the movie, I think you're right not to give up on it. It's, you know, the fact that you were able to move the needle on this man and do it through this, like this patience, but also this logic, like the way you spoke to him, um, brought up a lot of memories for me of, of how I, I kind of deprogrammed and got out and stuff. It, it, it I, I, there was a lot of my experience that I heard and saw in your movie and, I, and, and it, um, I'm just so interested that you have not, I, I want to see the follow-up where you mm. finally get Iraqi out, you know, it, right. it seems like he's almost there. Yes, if he's out, I'm happy to shoot another documentary. How he yeah. struggles to in this uh, our society. Yes, but yes. he it's, it's hard, you know. I just have to wait. I don't want to make a sequel. 
out of the Araki still in the cult, you know? Of course not. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Right. And then I was, uh, you know, off the uh, camera. I was telling Araki, if you leave, uh, if you have a hard, you think you will have a hard time surviving in the society, if you are out, even after you leave the cult, I will help you. That's what I told him. You yeah. cannot write a philosophy book because of your background, but you cannot write a book about the arithmetic. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can have a pen name. I can back you up. I can find the publisher for you. Do mm -hmm. it. And then he never listened to me. Yeah, yeah. I was very open, you know, to try to help him to get his life back. Well, I, I got the impression that he definitely believes that he's gone too far. That if, if there is a piece of him that would like to be out and be done with this and put this behind him, which I do think I saw in your movie that there is a piece of him that feels that way. I also get the impression he thinks he's gone too far and he can't come back. That even that's if he wants to, there's no escape for him. A yeah, word that comes, yeah. a, a word that came up a lot in the show is uh, in the show in the movie is uh, renunciation and renounce. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, to have to renounce a second time, to renounce away from the cult, uh, must be terrifying to him because he already renounced once and obviously feels some sort of regret. Like, renounced his family. Now he's, you know, to go the other way, that just seems impossible. But, oh, man, I want him to. Yeah. And I want a sequel. And also, the, so, uh, Gary told me, told, told us your background, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why I was very stronger on him Mm -hmm. When I questioned about what do you know about uh, your religion, right? Because mm -hmm. as I as I said, uh, my my grandfather used to be a priest at the Shinto. Yeah, then yeah. I was sent to a Catholic school for nine years. Then then I left Japan. I spent one year at the Jewish synagogue. Uh -huh. <laughs> then I came back to Japan. I spent one year staying at the Buddhist temple. Did the uh, pilgrimage. Okay. So, yep. so. I've done the very solo preparation for that argument. I didn't <laughs> unintentionally. So I don't know about uh, you know uh, Protestantism. Protestantism, you know. I yeah, know yeah. I knew Catholic, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But so if I say, Alaki, tell me what do you learn or try to learn about other religions? He knew my background. Yeah. He, he, he says, oh, I'm sorry, I, I give up, right? That's the situation. I knew that. That was the behind thing, you know? Yeah. There was that one line, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up what it was, but you, you made an argument where you said, you know, bringing a, a fourth religion into a discussion of three religions right. is one thing, but speaking about it in a vacuum by itself, that's completely different. And right. I think that might have been the first moment in the movie where he really caved, where he went, yeah, you know what, you're right. Right. Um, it, that that was very interesting. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, my whole background is backing that argument up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did all reasons. Even in my sense was even victim. I did it. Why yeah. you are not doing it? Yeah. You you are lazy, basically. <laughs> my, my, you're lazy. What are you doing? You know, I did it because I'm victim. But you're not doing anything. You know. Mm -hmm. So uh after that uh shooting that night he said Atsushi, if you keep the arguing that way let me go home that's what he told me <laughs> really <laughs> really he said that to me i'll own the camera you know uh -huh. i'm glad he didn't go home because you were yeah. able to hit him with there was one where <laughs> he explained i have a note he explained uh one of the reasons why they eat flavorless food and deny themselves stuff is that uh 
he believes if he suffers more, everyone else will suffer less out of the mass suffering. And yes. then you rebuked him by saying, well, then if you don't suffer, right. it's at my expense. Right. <laughs> that right. blew my mind. And even in that moment, too, he had a moment of like, well, shit, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... That's right. So at that moment, you, you know, at that moment, I still remember that moment. I could argue him fiercely, but I, I saved it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, yeah, the yeah, point was really gotten. Okay, you can see the switch right. flip in his head, where he was like, "I have, I have no rebuke for that. I can't. What, what do you say to that? You know? Yeah, yeah. Actually, so Atsushi, this this brings up a question I had too. Um, we talked earlier about like how you found Araki. Um, or, but I'm curious about like, at what point did you realize Araki was a man that, if you spent a few days with him, y- you might. Like, could, did, could you read this on him early that he was questioning in some way the, the foundations of his own beliefs or faith? Or is that something you discovered along the journey with him as you prodded him? Does my question make sense? Yes, yes. Uh, I could go to two ways in, in shooting. One, I can argue in details about the incidents and etc. For example, one of uh, very anti overtony wrote in the uh, in, uh, blog or some, somewhere, Araki used uh, LSD mm. when still the Omu was active like Omu, as we know, right? No, not mm. now, Aleph, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I can argue that point and I can corner him, and uh, but I didn't somehow take it, you know, that, mm. that Direction, right? Somehow, also, there's another thing which I want to mention is uh, during the shooting, I was sitting in the court of the last trial of the Omu case for Katsuya Takashi, who delivered the Saringas to the site where I held. Mm. And, uh, you know, early on, I explained it. Uh, uh, explain it to you that I avoid uh, uh, news and um, TV program about Omo. Mm-hmm. But if you sit in the uh, trial with the jury system, public prosecutor and attorney explain whole thing so that the person can. Uh, I think I hear noise. Do you hear noise? That's okay. Yeah, I heard that noise too. It seems uh, to have faded. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Maybe. We're good. We're good. Okay. Mm-hmm. No problem. No, I think you're all right, Atsushi. You could. You okay. Could okay. So now, so, uh, I sat in the court uh, in the court as an observer after convincing a public prosecutor to sit. I really had to uh, argue the public prosecutor very fast because my name is, is not even of the people part, part, city part. Maybe huh? we hear some noise. Oh, you're yeah. talking to me? Oh, you know what, Pearl? I think something's up with your mic because you're coming in really loud and we're hearing a lot of ambient sound. Um, I could turn off the air con. 
and see if oh, that helps. I think maybe you know it, it just faded actually. I think we're yeah, okay. Yeah, I think we're good. I think it just regulated. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you're in the court as an observer. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. After, I, you know what? Uh, it's, it's ridiculous, though. It's ridiculous. POP, prosecutor office. POP. Mm -hmm. huh? A public prosecutor, office of public prosecutor, whatever it is. Prosecutor. You don't yeah. allow me to sit in the court as an observer. Even as oh. a, because my name is on the short list. Mm -hmm. Too long. Six thousand people they cannot call the name, right? Whoa. Make it shorter. So in the beginning they say, okay, we can have you as an observer. And two weeks before the trial, they say no. So I was I challenged the public prosecutor. Okay, if you say so, that that's fine. So basically the concept or the principle of a jury system is to open court, right? Mm -hmm. Court is open to the public. And then if it denies it, that's fine. So I'm going to sit in front of the courthouse during the trial with a placard, open jury system. Mm -hmm. Then I know that whole nation is going to back me up. In two days, the uh, prosecutor came back to me. I said, you're fine. You can, you can, you're welcome. So I go. <laughs> right on. So you're yeah. in. That's yeah, done. That I love it. Challenge, man. I, I am the only filmmaker who really yelled at the public prosecutor. <laughs> really, literally I yelled. And uh, then I sat in the court and they learned so much about the things in detail. The trial took how many? Uh, started from the January 16th of 2015, ended April 30th. And I was basically skipping from the uh, trial. Mm -hmm. I shot the film. Whoa. So I know every single details about the incident. Mm -hmm. And I listened, I had a chance to listen to the executive mem member who was later executed. Okay. Um. So I, I, I know for everything for real, right? very real. And yeah. then uh, that changed me too. Yeah. The reason what, what... why. Sorry, I was Sorry. gonna ask that. Uh, what was that like to to sit and have to listen to one of the perpetrators of the attack, and then know that they were being put to like we're gonna be executed as the result? Like, how does that? I'm curious how that impacts you and affects you. You know? Yeah. First of all, when I was in the court, right, or yeah. trial, I fell asleep often. Yeah. I thought I was lazy. But I'm, I was not a high school or elementary school student to go to school and fell asleep. I yeah. wanted to know, I wanted to hear, I wanted to take notes. But I fell asleep. That was a, a psychological defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And then often, a uh, court judge found I'm asleep. And in the recess, they, they had the public prosecutor to wake me up. <laughs> yeah, in a week, all the time, next to me, there are the two public prosecutors of his crack who are sitting right next to me. And he's going to like this. You know? Poking you, waking <laughs> you up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, literally. But uh, they think I'm lazy. Some people might think that I'm lazy. Not lazy. No, I, you, I, I noticed in the film um, that 
your eyes would get heavy uh, at certain times when you were speaking with Iraqi. Uh, and at one point, I, I think I think you tell him that one of the effects is it makes your eyes heavy. But you, but you, the way you phrased it in the film, I, I thought what you meant was that one of the side effects of the gas was that it, it like made your eyes heavy. And I'm understanding now that the side effect you're referring to is PTSD. Is, is no, that yeah. You, yeah, yeah, that you are, um, uh, that's the, a defense what, what mechanism. I meant, what I meant is, you know, even whole things is the learning process of a PTSD and post effect. Yeah. So. At that time, I didn't even know I was reacting in that situation. Maybe you're right. You said you think that you 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 understand that uh, I was reacting because I was with him, right? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't mean it at that time. Okay. Maybe I that was right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe that was not right. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I ha I lose stamina and and gas you know, quite often. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, so that is so that is also a side effect of, of, That's right. of That's the right. attack. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I um I wrote down one thing that was just a great a great line that you said to Iraqi that stuck with me and I think is going to be my takeaway from the film, and I, I wrote it down in quotes because I wanted it exact. Was just think of my problem like it is your problem. Right. And. I was, uh, as I watched the movie, I thought I need to introduce that mindset more often into my life. You know, the, the, that is such a pure rule for empathy. And I, I just really loved the way that you said that to him. Uh, that stuck with me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I found I the film. To... Oh, go ahead, Pearl. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, like, it's one of the reasons why I find this film really important. Like, a lot of the feedback we've gotten is like, oh, we don't know about this sarin gas attack. And so naturally, like, um, it wouldn't be interesting. But I think that um, the story of, or just the fact that Atushi can talk to Iraqi and that they can have this sort of very calm conversation is really missing from our society and yes. that we're now living in the age of terrorism. And I don't think anyone has ever thought like, well, maybe I can sit down with the person who just shot up my mall and be like, well, why did you do that? Um, what made you think that? And um, and it's it's really great. And as a trauma survivor myself, like restorative justice was, um, I think, is a really healing process. Mm -hmm. And um, and you know we have victim impact statements and stuff like that. But it's it's a one way street, right? It's like the 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 system happens, and then somebody has a victim impact statement, and um, and and then you know the the perpetrator doesn't talk back at you, and you don't have a conversation. It's just like yep. it's just saying what you need to say. Um, and at the same time, I was looking into victims' rights, and and a lot of the times, if the victim wants a more lenient, uh, what's it called, sentencing, it's it's often ignored because we think of it as as very punishing. Like it has to be everybody has to be punished in these very strict ways for their crimes. Uh, and I think that it doesn't actually do anyone any good, um, mm -hmm. but the conversation itself is super valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, Dan and I kept talking about how uh, the word we kept using was like how instructive this movie felt. 
um, mm-hmm. especially in, in 2020 and in, in a, a world that seems to be careening towards further chaos that yeah. it felt very instructive to watch a movie about, in my estimation, about like two two men that are like searching for some peace in their adult lives and and really just are show like a Herculean amount of patience towards each other in in mm-hmm. that search kind of. Uh, but I think and, I came out of it with early twenties when he joined the cults and yeah, he basically, right. you know, fell off the map. Maybe he was like 24, 25. Yeah. He said he was I young. He said it was right after college. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually <laughs> like his first year in grad school. Um, yeah. 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 I, I found it amazing that by the end of the movie, I fully understood why he went into a cult. And that's something that I that I never thought I'd really think about. But by the end of it, like I understood what type of personal crisis he was in that drew him to that, and I understood the appeal of it. And and that's a really fascinating angle that I would never expect to come out of a movie that has a a cult representative. I don't want to say he's necessarily in a villain role, but he is the antagonist of this film to a to a degree. And I just never thought I'd come out of it going, "Wow, I really get why he got there." But in seeing that it made it so much more hopeful to me because I think I'm with you at sushi that in seeing that and seeing the, the, just the way that you dismantle his belief system, you know, I, I see the hope in, in trying to change him. And I see the hope in, as what you're saying, Perlin, having the conversation. And I think that's, that's really fantastic. Yeah. I think you realize how relatable he is and how sort of easy it would be to join a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one of the things, one of the reasons that Sushi's given in the, the past of why he started uh, looking into this is because a journalist said on TV that Atsushi's personality reminded them of a cult member. Right. And yeah, so, she, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. She said that like, uh, the, the TV, uh, how can I say, commentator, mm-hmm. uh, uh, after reading my uh, autobiography I published 10 years ago, she said that. Uh, Atsushi has a background that would fit into a member of the cult. Huh. Reasoning, uh, reading, reading about my past experience, you know. Yeah. I, I, my friend killed himself and uh, survived. I couldn't help him. And then mm-hmm. I was in the car and I left the car, fall into the valley, and then young girl died. She had the same birth date as mine, and then many things happened to me, and then I am the kind of person who would start believing in the cult and join the cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, Araki's explanation is essentially that he was afraid. I mean, he, you know, he has specific reasons for that. And there's, but essentially what he's saying is like, I was afraid. He, he literally says like, he came to realize that all of all life, all of all living is fear. Is, is that at any moment, at any second, it could be taken away from you. So how could you ever have happiness? Happiness is just a lie you tell yourself. Uh, and then realize, and that's why he seems to want to renounce. Is he's got this this idea that you know happiness doesn't really exist. You have to lie to yourself to be happy because really all of life is scary. And mm. that is, in my experience, the specific thing that cults prey on is people that are afraid. They mm. they prey on people's fear. Um, they get to do yeah. the person's thinking for them, and well, they keep them actually, fed and like, keep them well enough, and it's. Yeah. Well, if I could talk a bit about the cult, because Sushi and I have been doing a lot of research into it, because um, during COVID, things slowed down, so we started making a podcast about the cult. And so it's really 
fascinating because um, initially Shoko Asahara wanted to be a politician. Mm. Um, and so, so just quick, quick background is that he went to a school for the blind, even though he wasn't blind. And so he did really poorly because the school was just really not set up to help him. And so his um, his role model became this politician who only had a primary school education. Um, and so he wanted to be a politician. And at some point he meets a guy who becomes his mentor and he tells him like, oh, I want to be a politician. And the guy says to him, look, like being a politician is extremely expensive. Like you need a lot of money and you don't have any money. And so what you should do is you should go into religion because mm-hmm. both politicians and religious leaders target people who have weak wills. And if you mm-hmm. target these people with a weak will, um, basically you'd be doing the same thing and they would be looking up to you in the same way, but you don't need the money to do it if you are going to be a religious leader. And so he thinks about this and then and then he, he starts the cult in 1984, I believe. Um, and he calls the guy, it's like, I started a religion, basically. Jeez. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and the, in the beginning it was mostly young women his first followers were young women sure. one woman in particular one woman in particular i think about a lot is um this woman who you know she's finished high school and then she's like i want to go to college and her parents are like mm, no you're a girl you're going to secretarial school so she goes to secretarial school um and then gets a job and it's just like you know she's bored and so she joins this cult leaves her husband um and she's still like 26 or something and she ends up running the finances of the cult and the cult ends up being a multinational multi-million dollar enterprise right yeah she could have gone to college (laughs) but he really he was able to to tap into these people who who needed something else yeah that's a wild story wow it's fascinating too because when i look at the way you know (laughs) At least here in the States, politics is a religion of sorts as well. And it's just amazing how similar the figureheads uh, behave and pull their strings and such. Yeah, Kanye is running for president. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cult of personality. I mean, you might, oh, uh, my God. You might uh, have heard, but did you uh, just want to confirm? Do you know that Omu imported a military helicopter from Russia? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So actually, that is, what is that um, Om had you know a lot of followers in Japan, but they had a lot more followers in Russia, and they're still mm-hmm. active in Russia. Um, they're active in a lot of former USSR areas, where it's owned it as a terrorist organization. But um, every now and then you hear news of like the government shutting down like a Om um, meeting of people who are like Eastern Europeans. Anyways. But yeah, they, they imported a lot of um, military aid or military items from Russia. Yeah, wow. they imported the guns and they knew, they they learned how to manufacture the rifles and machine guns and they started yeah. the manufacturing in Japan. Are they... Have they have they perpetrated other any other like terrorist attacks? Is this like the singular event? Has no, this, no, does no, this no, keep no. occurring? In, in the pre- previous year, they tried to attack the whole town with salingas. They Whoa. attacked the court judge situation. Whoa! In Matsumoto, Nagano Prefecture. 
there was a a dispute there was a land dispute um and so in order to not lose the court case they they actually tried out their sarin gas attack in the judge's dormitory of where um the court was going to be and so they did that and killed i think seven people and um and yet their their case was delayed in the courts because um the judges were in the hospital yeah Yeah, so that's another thing about the government is that um they really just didn't do a very good job um investigating and cult like this was not their first crime they had you know the sarin uh gas attack in matsumoto the year before that killed seven am i right atsushi seven i'm not sure but something around seven yeah and they also murdered a lawyer um who's whose name is also is Sakamoto. Sak- Sakamoto. Right? Yeah. 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 He, they murdered him and his wife and their infant uh, the baby. child. Baby. Baby. Yeah. yeah. An 18 month old baby. Um, yeah. And they even like had, like they were not very good at it. Like the murderer yeah. left like a badge, like a own badge at their house accidentally or something. And the police never followed up. And part of that is because Om had people in government. They had members in the police. They had members just everywhere all over. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's so really I got the sense that it was localized. Um, no, it's I had no all idea it was that Japan. far. They had an office in New York that they used mainly for um, importing chemicals. They, or yeah, just importing um, technology. They had a huge piece of land in Australia that they used to test out different gases. Um, they had they had a huge. They had a crazy enterprise of businesses. They owned a bunch of ramen restaurants. Um, and then also the computer factory. Yeah. yeah. They, mm-hmm. they were known for the supplier of a cheap, reliable computer. Huh. Really? That's, no wonder. And you can make it cheap because they, you don't have to pay wage. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, you don't have to pay tax. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, they're a religious organization. Same thing with if you go, if you watch Going Clear, right? Like they, yep. oh, they yeah. also got like the tax cuts of a religious organization, which really changed everything for them. Mm-hmm. There was something terrifying in Going Clear, where it was like a the largest group of people I've ever seen, with Tom Cruise at the front, standing behind a podium as they announced their tax exempt status. And man, that put chills down my spine. That is yeah. terrifying. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get in Japan. Um, I don't remember the exact number anymore, but it's something like 200,000 religious organizations are oh. registered. Until, until Omu's uh, case, it was easier. Much, much easier. It's quite easy. But after Omu, you don't have to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess it would stand to reason they would make it a little more difficult. Yeah, that was a reaction, you know, by mm-hmm. the Japanese government. Man, this is fascinating. The, the fact that I had never heard of any of this, and it's this large, is... I mean, I don't even know what that says, but man, thats it's just fascinating. Oh, it makes me feel like a real American dumb. Sorry about Yeah, uh, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, one of them is running the like... country right now, and it's, uh, <laughs> boy, is it terrifying. <laughs> What we tried it's... to do is we could we could tell the I, I, I tried in the previous car, but uh, mm-hmm. we could tell about uh, importing uh, military helicopter from Russia and etc. Yeah, yeah. 
But mm-hmm. it's again, I you know, I become a mighty god in the film. So I don't want to do it. And then Junko came up with a straightforward one. And okay, that's better, you know. So yeah, but we need a, a supplementary information, so we provide a podcast, you know. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I honestly, I really think that the way the movie is, for one thing, uh, like even if we had not had this conversation with you guys, I would have done my own research on this group and and found a lot of this up because the movie, I think the movie is compelling as the journey of these two men. And, you know, then sparks my interest in things like, so what is this organization that this guy's a part? You know, there's enough of it in your movie that I grasp what's happening, but Mm -hmm. also not so much that, you know, that's what your movie's about. Your movie is not a history lesson about this cult. And I think that's to your movie's benefit, Mm -hmm. Um, especially as you were talking about where you don't want it to be propaganda either. Um, right. I, I think is actually helpful to avoid the kind of history lesson about them in that regard. Yeah, it's a conscious decision because everything is Googleable. Like yeah. uh, all this sort of facts are Googleable. You don't need us to tell you that. Um, but also going back to what I said before, like it's it's sort of a or as you said, like it's sort of an instruction manual on how to have a conversation with someone who tried to kill you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really matter why. <laughs> It doesn't yeah. really matter why, but it's, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, I, I agree. And I was like, I was genuinely moved to, and, and I did, I, I spent some time wondering, like, does my own experience w- with a cult make this so compelling to me? And I was saying to Dan, there's the moment where Iraqi um, is telling you a story about wanting to buy a pencil case when he ah, was a kid. Yeah, and then as soon as he gets the pencil case, it loses the shine. And after about a week, he doesn't want the pencil case anymore. And after that, he realizes, like, oh, these material things are not worth anything. I should believe in the immaterial God instead. That is a story I heard many times when I was uh, being sort of indoctrinated. And it is a story I have repeated many times when I was trying to indoctrinate others. That is, like, a common cornerstone of uh, uh, just like cult basically like, like cults in general is a story like that that story is always used as an example of why you should leave things like your family your friends your occupation your belongings behind and instead believe in this more immaterial thing because that's somehow better for your soul or or whatever it, and so i was i was really struck watching the movie by how I'd never heard of this cult before, but it was exactly the same. I was hearing exactly the same things. Yeah, it's the same methods. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think Shoko Wasahara took care to do that, right? Like, he did a lot of research into how to run a cult. He joined, Mm. um, he was part of several different religious organizations, and by the time he started OM, he really treated it as a business in a way. Mm -hmm. He knew exactly how to do it. It was actually, I think, his fourth business venture. Wow. uh, so so it's very calculated. And I was talking to my friend who was also who grew up in a cult, and he said that I was wondering if he thinks that Araki is performing the entire film. And he yeah. said yes and no, right? Like he's performative because that's his job, but also he might not know he's performative anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting what you said about the Baptist church or, or you know, whatever you were part of, because mm-hmm. it may not have been the whole Baptist church. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, like these are these are the things we stick to these stories and then we repeat them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah we almost you almost force them to be true by repetition. Yeah. Well, yeah. I had the same thought, Pearl, watching the movie. I, I would say for at least the first half hour, all I could think about was there's so many moments of Iraqi he doing what I do, frankly, which is pausing and really taking a moment to consider the words he's about to say in response to what you're asking him, Atsuchi. And I I spent like the first half hour of the movie really considering like, is he actually thinking about what he thinks and feels in response to Atsushi's question? Or is he thinking about what this organization would want him to say in response to Atsushi's question? Like, is he going through the mental gymnastics of how exactly am I meant to respond to this? Or what response would most perfectly both align with what should be the public, you know, what they want our public response to be, but still allows me to sort of, I don't know, sound like I am my own individual human that's talking with Atsuchi. Mm. Oh, well, thanks, first. I just want to say that, like, I think the way you refer to it is like, you know, Iraqi thinking in terms of like, well, what would the organization want me to say? I think that we just have to accept that he is responsible. Right. Nobody's going to question him on how he represents the cult. Oh, and so when you say like, oh, like what would the organization want me to say? It's like, no, no, like what is Atsushi saying for the cult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Like I think yes. we have to give him the responsibility. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Because, um, yeah, I, I and I, I think part of it was me not, I didn't understand totally that I he was like as high up the ladder in, in the cult, if that makes sense. And so I think I read, at least in the beginning of the movie, I was reading like, oh, he's a member of the cult. And he's like, he's trying to consider what this cult, how they should sound, what they should say. But I, I hear what you're saying, too, is like by the end when you, it sort of becomes clear, like he ha he has to be held responsible for he's what he's saying. He's their public face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. And I think, sense. too, when when we see him wrestling with the, with the apology, um, it's... I feel like at that point, it's less him thinking in terms of like, what will, you know, this group think of me and more in terms of like, <clears throat> he's defined by it now. And, you know, and therefore the responsibility is, yeah. is he's so defined by it that to actually issue a meaningful apology would mean to forsake some part of himself that that is defined. Yeah. And I mean, that's so insidious and scary, but no, I do agree that that it it is his responsibility. Yeah, he he had, you know, he became a member. Now I I kind of had a sense of feeling that he became the cult. He mm -hmm. is the yes. cult. You know, his mindset. So that's why he apologized for for the sake of the uh, as an individual. Even mm -hmm. he apologized that the cult is going to be torn apart. That's what he was scared about. Right. What's the quote of Sushi from A that he said that like if he apologizes? Ah, he's uh, yeah. In the A, uh, he said that uh, if I apologize, everything would collapse. You know. Yeah, yeah. I cannot apologize. You know? And right. that like that is like on a macro level, like the actual organization, but also on a micro level, like the whole system that he has, like the structure of building what his personality is and who he is and who he has become. Yeah. And, and that's why I think your method is so effective, is that you're just chipping away at that structure of how he has set yes. up his belief system. Also, also, if you 
carefully uh, watch or you have the chance to spend a long time with him to argue the way I did in the film. He has a self-desolation mechanism in his mind mm -hmm. installed by the cult. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to push him on the verge to change and then next day he comes back. Yeah. Maybe when he sleeps, he, you know, he does yoga and then he meditates <laughs> and he comes back again. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys will know this reference. He's Dan Stevens in The Guest. He just goes to sit down and then his little computer shuts off and then it turns back on in the morning and reboots and he's <laughs> yeah. just back to the guy that he was the day before. Exactly, exactly, exactly. He comes back and then, you know, I once knocked the door very, night, uh, very late at night, you know, during the shooting. And then he, he, he always used a sleeping bag, right? Uh -huh. Not a futon provided by the uh, hotel or anywhere, right? Wow, so he and would he, sleep on the floor, even if they provided him a, a bed to sleep on. That's right. Yeah, you can actually see his, um, you can see He's his a, sleeping bag, like, attached yeah, to his bag, bag all day. Right. He's yeah. carrying yeah, it around. That's I know. Just... <laughs> oh, man. And yeah. he does the yoga pose, and then I, I think... I heard from the uh, newspaper journalist that he has insomnia. He, he never sleeps. Oh. Thing like that. So he is a short sleeper or something. I wouldn't sleep either if all I had was a sleeping bag. <laughs> I mean, I have, a, I have a really old mattress and I hate it. So <laughs> like a sleeping bag, damn. And then that's, that's according to the cult, that's the good thing, right? Not to sleep. Right, right. Uh. <laughs> Right, because well, there's no some kind of pleasure in sleeping, I guess, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Well, I'm yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but you know, shit. And also, the way I noticed that the way we live, not, not in the cult, we ordinary people live, is when you face the situations and then the hardships and et cetera, right? And then you become a new person, right? You, you're not going to... Lose yourself. Mm -hmm. But the, how Araki responded is to join the cult, lose himself, mm -hmm. and uh, don't even think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like, a, a, you know, that is the ultimate freedom for him. Yeah. It's like, take a load off. We'll, we'll think of all the scary questions for you. You don't have to worry about that. Right. Have your bowl of soup and just exist. Right. Oh, yeah. That yeah. That was said. Uh, the 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 way the Haruki Murakami explained is that uh, they put the themselves in a multi layers of a Chinese box, like a matryoshka, Russian matryoshka, you know, mm -hmm. small doll uh, inside of the dolls, inside another oh, yeah. doll, and right. So he, they put it in a very very small space like that. So that's how they to get uh, uh, freedom. I, I totally agree. He has a very, of course, he's a great author, so <laughs> he needs my compliment. But <laughs> he doesn't need my compliment, but uh, uh, his description is quite accurate. Atsushi, I got, you have such an infectious laugh, and it was one of the things that delighted me throughout the whole movie. Uh, and I, I, I genuinely wonder how aware of that you are and whether you realize how often you were using that as a tool to disarm him. You could, you could just, there were times when you would say something that I was sure it would be something that would finally ruffle his feathers, 
but you would laugh at the end of what you said, and he would just join you in laughing about it. And it yes. would just completely disarm him every time. I th it was so infectious. And I wonder how aware of it you are that you're using it as a tool like that. In the beginning, I wasn't. Who reminded me was a part of reminded me of that moment. <laughs> because, you know, see, I, was, I had a, such a responsibility to make sure uh, this is all right. If the, like other victims watches my mm -hmm. film, he's doing right and uh, you know meaning that as i said that drove me go for harder on him harder for him not very serious film right i i, I was looking for the serious film but when we came when we had a discussion about how we want to make it better mm -hmm. and uh, i showed some scenes like uh, we i laughed it and he laughed you know and uh pal said pa told me that atsushi that's very unusual that's it's really precious <laughs> moment. And I wasn't really, <laughs> I, I thought that that was not a good idea, but I thought, okay, let's go for that, you know, so. Yeah. I think yeah, as I long think as it never, the first oh, no, cut and sorry, I think between the, the cut that Atsushi made and the cut that Junko made, Junko put in a lot more of the laughing scenes, like the entire scene, which I found hilarious, is like them at Kyoto University laughing about like, what's a better slogan for, uh, for recruiting? Like, yeah. Junko mm -hmm. put that in. So she didn't yeah. put it into initial cut. And I think, um, you know, she had a perspective and she had just a different, um, what's it called? Like, yeah, she just had a different point of view to be able to, to see the value of the laughter. And um, yeah, like you could not, you know, it's yeah. like impossible to imagine having a conversation with someone try to kill you. And then it's like even more impossible to be laughing about how they can keep recruiting, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. and, and not also, only that, but I wasn't uh, uh, skillful enough to put that thing technically. Mm -hmm. So then, then I had the uh, first uh, dismissed editor. He told me the same thing, and then I was, I, I, I had, I was forced to convince it. So, but when I talked with uh, Junko after he checked all the footages, and then uh, she said that I can put it, and then she did it, you know. Also, yeah. yeah, it totally works to the theme of the movie, mm -hmm. uh, and and it it shows, you know, it, it works in showing Iraqi that joy exists <laughs> and that it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it works in making making you someone that that I, someone who has not survived anything like this, can then relate to. Mm -hmm. uh, it just makes everything that much more relatable. And I will say that I had one big belly laugh uh, when you convinced Iraqi to purchase a jacket. Yeah. Um, that was so heartwarming, but I love in the next scene, he has the jacket on, but he has it on under the jacket that he typically That's wears. Right. And yeah. it was it was a great laugh moment, but it also uh, says so much and speaks to the Russian doll allegory that you just said. Yeah. You know, he had to have that protective layer. Damn, that was my same I, I really, big laugh. I really, you know it was what, so uh, good. Uh, uh, yeah, you know it. I really wanted to have him to put it on, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That was my secret strategy I had, you know, the, the, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a heavy rain here in Kyoto, so that's fine. Oh, so, we've had a heavy rain here, here today. Philadelphia as well. Yeah, I think it just—I think it sailed halfway across the world. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I okay. had that, that particular objective in the beginning. I wanted to have him to put that jacket on. I don't know which color it was, but uh, later I found that oh, only green and red is available for him. So I convinced him to put the red one and mm -hmm. i hope 
put the, put it on, but he resisted. So I put him on the top of the mountain, so freezing place. <laughs> <laughs> Really? And then, and then as you know, soon as he that, puts it on, too, he has a feeling of like, well, look at me. So underneath he put it, right? And then also the mountain is one of the very well-known holy mountains in Buddhism in Japan. Okay. Uh, okay. It's one of the holy mountains. Many, many great uh, Buddhism leaders was educated at the temple at the top of the mountain. So when I... In the morning, uh, when I uh, left our uh, hotel, I asked Araki, I'm going to the top of the Mount Hie. Would you like, are you okay? And then in the beginning, he okay. But our what Bang is climbing up the mountain. So he says, oh, no, I feel it's not really. <laughs> he, he, he started resisting to it. Because he, he, you know, he knows that what I do is, I'm sticking uh, 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 to the conventional Buddhism, whole Buddhism in Japan, right? Yeah. It's historical. It's like uh, I'm I'm taking him to a uh, Jerusalem, you know, mm-hmm. for Christianity or whatever, right? Yeah. And then yeah. something like that. That that's what I, I did with that moment. Yeah. He felt maybe it's not a good idea, or he says no. Why? Why do I have to go there? But yeah. My, but also. My uh, hidden uh, philosophy behind this film is that uh, I am a weak, ordinary person to do mm-hmm. this. I needed some help from the power of the land where we go. So I often go to visit the shrine and the Buddhist-related place. Maybe I'm not believing any religion, right? Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I respect. I have so many priest friends and etc. Rabbi friends and etc. But uh, I don't personally believe in. But uh, I have I, I have a sense that or oh, maybe I need to help the ancestors help. If mm-hmm. I take Alaki to his hometown, maybe his ancestor would help me. Mm-hmm. That has sort of the way I thought, you know, to organize this. Yeah, I, I was curious about that, actually, Atsushi. I'm glad, glad you brought this up. How long is this trip, and how did you sort of design the trip? Like, what was the... Uh, you had sort of stops along the way, and it was clear that those stops were important to your history, but also Iraqi's history. Uh, like, How many days were you guys together on this trip, and how did you kind of design it? Eight, 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 eight days. days? Okay. Eight, yes. And then, uh, in Tokyo, we shot uh, some days. But, okay. Uh, the okay. trip was eight days, yes. So you spent about two weeks with him, would you say? Is that is that about right? Mm, yes, like yes. Between your time there in Tokyo, yeah. And and how did how did you? It, how, it to me, it's like it's such a. I, you referred to this earlier, Pearl, but it's such a wild idea to, you know, ask your attacker to go on a road trip with you, essentially, right? Like it it, it is like. I kept thinking in my head, I, I forgive you for saying it this way, but I was like, this is such a weird road comedy. This is that buddy comedy that gets made in America all the time. But like in this context that feels so outside of what uh, Americans would ever really like. We, Dan and I just kept saying, like, I just can't imagine two American men like treating each other this patiently for this long. And you certainly couldn't write this as a movie. Right, it it yeah, has yeah. to be existed and, and lived. It's man. Yeah. Well, so I just I, I I'm curious how you came upon that idea to ask him to journey with you across Japan and, and get him to agree to that. It's like originally, I know 
I like, uh, you know, uh, multi breast. I love multi breast. Okay. I started dreaming about making a filmmaker after watching people his cop. Oh, right on. Yeah. I'm not uh, coming with uh, from the Godard, and uh, I'm not so intellectual. Didn't Martin Brest do Gili, the the <laughs> famously panned American movie Gili? I, th- I yeah, believe I that's, that's a Martin Brest movie. movie. Yeah, <laughs> Martin right. Brest, right? And then yes. I love the uh, Midnight Oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my film is a this film is a Midnight Oil, don't you think? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Really, this is a yeah. Midnight Run documentary. Yeah, there, that's and that's like Midnight Run is the that is the original buddy comedy, really. Right, that's one comedy. of the best uh, buddy com- comedy films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that Charles. So I, had, I had that one in my mind, and and also in the beginning, uh, I wanted to go to the states, drive from across the continent, but he he cannot go into America, the United oh. States, because he's a terrorist profile. Right. Right. So I had to do something in Japan. So okay, so I had the idea to climb Mount Fuji with him because I get tired easily, right? Because of the post effect. But I found that uh, my crew wouldn't love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, Why do you do that? Why are you gonna torture us? You know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I give up and uh, okay, so. I'm happy to hear that you care about your crew. So often uh, we hear about film sets being run by by imperious monsters. So I'm glad you're not making your crew climb mountains. Yeah, Mount Fuji is an important uh, uh, mountain for Omo. Mm-hmm. We had a big facility at the foot of the Mount Fuji. So that's, but that was one of the interests. But as you know, documentary is a cooking at the midnight. Everything you know, I can do only things uh, available in leaflet, you know. Mm-hmm. So looking at what I have in my leaflet, he is from the same really similar background. Okay, yeah. Why don't explore it? So that's how I came up with this journey. And then also, as I said, uh, seven years ago, meaning two years or three years before the shooting film, film I did the uh, Hemlo Pilgrim. Pilgrimage, like 88 temples pilgrimage, right? So I had a very clear idea. Oh, this is going to be the pilgrimage film. Mm-hmm. I am going to have a uh, milestone. We go there, and uh, and then those plan is going to be a semi-automatic way of uh, uh, squeezing a narrative out of the story out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have to uh, plan very carefully. I already, uh, in the beginning, uh, I didn't tell, but uh, in the, during the shooting, I told that my, would you like to meet my parents? Right. And I had a chance, uh, option to introduce him to my parents without uh, any uh, telling him in advance, but I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I had many options, you know, and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's how I did. So first I want to go to my place. Again, the same strategy. Like I, I smile baby, smile baby's back. I, mm-hmm. I show and he tried to introduce, responding to what I did. So then we, I go deeper and deeper 
and then see whether his limit is. I go push, and then he, ah, I push too much and coming back, push him again, too much, you know, yeah. Mm. Uh, the, but the real challenge is though, for the first time filmmaker and producer, right? Mm -hmm. Shooting the film, loading the camera at the same time, I was ca running campaign for crowdfunding. <laughs> Insane. And then also during shooting, I always have to think about when I have to tease my crew. Yeah. You know, uh, if they feel hungry, they're not, they're losing focus. I know it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a very tight budget, you know? And uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, for the scenes of my parents, is a very key scene, right? Yeah. Uh, pre the previous night or two nights before that scene, I was about to give up shooting that scene. And uh, I talked to uh, uncredited uh, EP over the phone. His answer was very good answer as a producer or executive producer who, who do not put money. But that's very interesting is the, how he said it. Atsushi, is it the money issue? Okay, I'm going to use my credit card and keep it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talked to him. Okay, I don't think I don't think I have money. I cannot uh, cause that uh, for whatever reason. I I had to extend the shooting. And then he cried, and I think he did enough. And he says he doesn't say, "Oh, I'm going to send money or anything." He doesn't. He wouldn't say that. But he said, "Oh, is this a money issue?" All right. Okay, go. <laughs> I was a. Uh... I was a PA on a film set once and I had to do, I got the producer's credit card and had to go like run errands. And then about a month after I worked on this set, I got a call from the producer and he was like, you don't happen to know what happened to that credit card that you were using. <laughs> and it turns out it was just in the back pocket of my jeans, just in the hustle and bustle of the set. I never got him his card back. Luckily I was able to get it back to him. But yeah, that was one of those things where it was a solid month after we wrapped. He was like, did, did you do anything with that? I'm like, <laughs> but I just learned that I never wash my jeans. <laughs> Thank God. But, like... <laughs> but, that, but that was, I appreciate the, the way he did it to me. Yeah. Uh, it, without that scene, this film is much, much weaker. This mm. scene shines. So I learned that how... To be a good uh, executive producer behind the scene, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and That's I agree awesome. with you too. That I, I, the when you were going to meet your parents, what I thought was about to happen was you were go, you were going to try and like reunite him with his parents, and then I realized that you were actually going to visit your parents, and it, in some way, was like so much more. I thought I was like preparing myself for the power of this guy getting like reunited with his parents, but then seeing your parents get to confront him about what was done to you was to me. I mean, it's, it is the scene in the movie that I, we're spending a lot of time here talking about Iraqi. And really this movie is, I don't want to take the focus off of you Atsushi and what happened to you and what you are trying to reclaim as you make this movie and talk to this man. And I think that that scene with your parents is what brings that very much into focus in the movie, that this is your story and your journey through this as much as, as much as it's, you know, he's part of that journey, it's your journey through all of this. And bringing your parents into that and giving them a voice in this, I thought was so powerful in its own way. Yeah, because, how can I say, uh, 
when I started uh, making this film, I thought I needed the antiseptic. Is that how you say it? It's like yeah. anti-poison. Yeah. Anti mm -hmm. The antidote, yes. Antidote, antidote of this film, because that uh, I'm not, I wanted to make clear that I'm not supporting the cult. Yeah. I'm not a weak film director and then, then you know, listen to whatever they want to say. I'm not uh -huh. going to be used as a propaganda. Yeah. So, you know what, the scary thing is though, so, so before the pre-production, I had the uh, Emmy-winning news producer in America, Mm -hmm. I asked her opinion. She she told me, you know what she suggested to me? She said, Atsushi, at the end of this film, you have to go to see your ex-wife. That was, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so cruel, I cannot do Oh, man, American producer is... <laughs> I Maybe in the it. sequel. Yeah, I know, I don't <laughs> want to do it, but I cannot do it. So, that forced me to think what I can do, what I can do, what I can mm. do instead of going to see my ex-wife. She She's going to die, you know. What can I do without it? And then I came up with, okay, I'm going to introduce my parents. Yeah. That's going to make this film okay, you know, in, the, in that sense, you know. Yeah. It's really interesting to me that you were able to take that note like that, like, because, you know, the, the, what the American producer said was, uh, you know, find find your ex-wife, put her in the movie or whatever, and that you, that's not a thing you can do, you're not going to do that, but but you still spent time thinking about and considering, like, but I, but there there was something that that producer was trying to impart about your movie that you were then still able to put into your movie. Yeah, like there's that an artistic goal idea. that you still have yeah. to need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm impressed by that. That's, uh, that's some real uh, refined filmmaker shit, you know? That's not some yeah. first-time amateur <laughs> stuff, you know? I don't know. I don't Very know. true. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? I, I am uh, I'm not uh, with uh, experience, and then I'm uh, not a cinephile. I don't know many films. I only know Martin You only Brest. know Martin Brest movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, the, you're the first person we've ever had on our show that name dropped Martin Brest. Yeah. Why? So Jeez, that is. He's the director in America, you know? Oh, yeah. I like, oh, yeah. I like. Yeah. Saint Woman also directed by him too, right? It's a good film, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love, you know, I love Martin Scorsese and everyone, but uh, you know, but he's no Martin Brest. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, yeah. yeah so he's son of a woman. He's. Yep, yep. He did Meet Joe Black. I love Meet Joe Black. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's good director, you know. Right on. Um, Very cool. But on the topic of like meeting um, Atsushi's parents. One thing yeah. I found really amazing was that Atsushi actually asked Araki, like, are you comfortable meeting my parents? Yeah. And Araki thought about it for a while um, before agreeing. And then Atsushi went back to his parents. We're like, well, will you meet this guy with me? And they're like, well, we don't really know what you want to say, but I guess we'll show up. Um, yeah. And, like, just from the way he tells it, it sounds, I mean, Atsushi, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like your parents almost took a little bit more convincing. Then Araki gave. Did you, did you say I couldn't hear well? Pardon? What did you say? I couldn't hear very well. Oh, I said that um, basically, you know, you first went to Araki and we're like, well, will you meet my parents? Um, and he thought about it and he, he finally said yes. And then you went and asked your parents and your parents were like, well, we don't really know what, you know, what we we'll can say do yes, to the table. Um, and it almost was like more work convincing your parents to show up. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, my parents were like, uh, he, 
you know, I my neighbor is known for a bamboo. Okay. okay? So we eat bamboo. Like a, how can I say, uh, sprung up bamboo, right? Okay. Bamboo uh, sprout. Sprout. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. And then one of the mischievous kids hit the bamboo, mother bamboo, with a baseball bat. Uh -huh. And then they, they have to pay like uh, 3 million yen, $30,000 for compensation. Usually that happens, you know, that, that's also, I don't know, why do I have to explain this? But something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's expensive, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like, uh, if you, like, uh, if, your kid in neighbor did it. How do you meet those kids, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to do this, have him to pay or have his parents to pay, right? Then I, I in the moment, I thought like, oh, my parents feel that way. You, you know, he's not going to meet the criminal. He's not going to meet the uh, cult. Right. He's going to, the, my parents are going to meet the mischievous kid in my neighbor. Right. Someone like who hit the bamboo and then co cost someone thirty thousand dollars, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. What should I oh, your parents exercised some serious class. Um, it was it was wonderful to see just how willing to be polite they were, and whew, it was impressive. Yes, thank you. And, uh, and people. Say Sorry, Asuchi, what I was going to ask was, did your parents get something out of it? Like, did I assume, did you talk to them about it afterwards and yeah. ask them what they, like, what did they take away from, from talking to Iraqi? Yeah, no, they, they didn't take anything out of Iraqi. Okay. They, they just, uh, but the moment uh, he apologized, he was forced to apologize by me. And uh, they have some sort of the, uh, how can I say, relief, or how do, you, how do I say, you know, it's like a delight, I guess that's okay. But truth is though, in order to have him to apologize in that way, I sh we edited it to shorter, but we spent an hour. Wow. An hour. I only had an hour at the cafe or tea house. Yeah. And I, 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 I had the evil mind, you know, very evil mind. Okay, he, he never started uh, uh, talking about that or apologizing. Mm -hmm. Okay, all of a sudden I, I could say, oh, cut it, we go, and then he had, he had no chance. That is not nice way, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And but that made him look really bad, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, that was the thinking in my mind in that scene, whole time. Mm -hmm. he, I knew that he wouldn't apologize it, but I have to, as, as a uh, uh, person in the same community and then also the sharing the same loot, right? In a sense, and that looks too bad to him. And that looks too bad to his parents and uh, his relatives. So, I really wanted to have him to apologize. Yeah. It really did come down to you saying, and don't you have anything to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it really came down to that. But, but I also know that I'm not in the position to, or power to have him to apologize. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, oh, doesn't mean anything if it's not coming right. from him. That's right. And, uh, and also, he's uh, quite sharp and he's quite logical. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I convince him logically. Mm-hmm. I don't that know. That was my favorite thing to watch. I love just watching you. I didn't know how I came up with the the logic like that. But uh, I came up with the logic and then I told him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, to some extent, uh, not to, uh, I don't think he deserves this necessarily, but I, I was very impressed on both of your parts. But it's just interesting in his case, I think, how willing he was to listen to logic and really consider what it meant and mm-hmm. and not just reiterate and spew dogma in the face of challenging thoughts mm-hmm. like yours, you know? Um, uh, again, I don't know that he necessarily deserves credit for these things, but I, I was impressed with, you know, that's why you were able to get through to him is because he, he, for some reason, something about you, he was willing to listen to, to you, you know? Um, I, I feel like I know too many people that, even with good logic like you were presenting, they would just so coldly and immediately just, nope, that's not, that doesn't fit with my worldview. I'm done. I'm out. Shut it out. Shut it down. Um, so there was something very interesting about that to me, that that he was willing to be patient and sort of hear the logic and actually consider the logic. And, mm. and that's what helped you ultimately, I think, get to a place where it seemed like you were moving the needle on how he felt about you and how he felt about the attacks and how he felt about the organization that, that, that he leads, you know? Yes. He yeah, is really uh, interesting. Sorry. Go okay, go. Oh, I was going to say, it's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but it's almost as if Atsushi, the conversation was so long that Atsushi was able to sort of bring him beyond the sort of rehearsed script that he was used to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like most conversations with people, you know, are like 10, 15 minutes and you're like, well, why can you still believe in this? But then, you know, after after like days of this question, eventually you run out of what you know you can say, and so he starts having to think about it. And yeah, like I think that's the value of having these long conversations. Anyways, that's yeah. yeah. you were gonna say. Yeah, I think uh, I can say that uh, he was quite sincere. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way he was sincere was something wrong, but uh, to my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> but you know what? But sincere is absolute truth, but uh, you know. He yeah. He's not made... immune to logic, he's just resistant yeah. to logic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also, I was, I didn't calculate, I didn't plan uh, the way I argued, uh, had the discussion with him, but uh, I, somehow I, end up managing to a dialogue in the argument in a sort of a philosophical way. So that's why people can understand it, right? If I go into the details, okay, this and this and this, and when they invented the saline and they, 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 what did he put? That can be the details I can argue, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I heard uh, these things in the code and then I didn't go I didn't go. And that well, you tried, me. right? You tried at the beginning. You started asking him about the attack. You're like, oh, is it true that this happened? He's like, oh, I really don't know. Yeah. Like, right. And you were like, well, you know, like, is it true that this guy drank water? Or like this guy ate this guy's like onigiri? And he's like, oh, I really don't know. Um, right. Yeah. He, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to play ball with the attack. Right. Right. But 
maybe I didn't uh, uh, I was not equipped those information in, with the solid uh, uh, like a, a very with confidence mm -hmm. or so I didn't throw out those things I used something like that but uh, mainly in my film I argued against him with the philosophical questions what do you know about how do you say you know you understand your religion and also he revealed that uh, you know he had to go back to home once yeah right yeah something like that and, and that was a very powerful weapon or approach mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. yeah because his religion was useless at that point yeah <laughs> he needed his family yeah well, I don't want to keep you guys too long. I feel like we uh, have we're just... We're, oh, we're almost we're, at two we're, hours. Yeah, we're oh. almost at two hours. And uh, I'm happy to... Honestly, I'm happy to sit here and talk for an hour or more if you guys want. But I, <laughs> I feel like we've disrupted your mornings enough. So I, I, I would like to try and wrap it up so that we can uh, let you guys enjoy your day. Um, but but are, there, are there other things that you wanted to talk about or address with the movie? Anything that we haven't covered here that, that you felt was important or that, that you wanted to talk about in regards to your movie? Mm -hmm. I think we covered all so much. Yeah, we did. We <laughs> well, did. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us uh, where our listeners can find out more more about it. Uh, perhaps plug your podcast about it, and yeah. if you can talk about what sort of potential release this can have. Uh, so the film is me and the cult leader. We don't have a U.S. distributor yet, but we're really hoping on one. So if anybody is interested, then you can um, get in touch with us. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is Before After Om, which is the name of our podcast. Uh, we release episodes every other Friday. Uh, and we took two uh, weeks to do a Q&A with the Sheffield uh, DocFest, which is where we had our world premiere, which ended yesterday. Um, but next week we'll be back on regular programming, which is going to talk about Shoko Asahara's visit to the Dalai Lama, mm. um, which is really interesting, I find, because a lot of people who are like anti-Dalai Lama use it as an example of like why the Dalai Lama is corrupt or whatever. Mm. But in a way, like Shoko Asahara was presenting himself as a Buddhist leader. And so uh, Dalai Lama took a meeting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyways, it's, it's really fascinating, this whole yeah. world of, like new religions that pretend or like think that they are the true representation of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. It's something you don't hear about very often because it's not as like ostentatious as people who think they have the true, um, you know, the true story of Jesus or whatever. Right. Um, mm. so, yeah, it's really interesting. So, so hopefully... the podcast is called Before After Om. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. As in, like, life before and after the cult. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And so, yes, yeah, so listeners, check that out. I'm sure if there are any developments on the film, you'll be able to hear that through the podcast and through these channels. Um, and certainly, if uh, if anything further happens, we'll certainly boost it and put it out there. Because uh, I know I can probably speak for both of us when I say this is a truly unique movie. Um, I've you. never seen anything like it. And I took a lot out of it. And it's the kind of movie that, uh, when I was joking with Garrett yesterday, I said it's it's such a unique thing that I don't know who I'd recommend it to, but I kind of wish that everyone would see it. 
because yeah. I think that it's something that we could all kind of hear something from and take something from. Yeah, I re- that word instructive just like comes to mind with this movie and it feels like the kind of thing I I, I would like for a lot of people to be able to see this movie. Um, so, yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> right? uh, hopefully hopefully yeah. uh, that's something that, that, that can happen. Hopefully this podcast helps with that in some way um, that you. we can get more people's attention on it because – uh, this is extreme. Uh, frankly, this is one of the best movies I've seen in 2020, um, and, and I hope that more people can see it. I I'm also really happy to be talking with you guys. I think it's really good for Atsushi to be able to talk through um, the film and to know that people are watching and that people are engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. you said uh, your your Instagram for social media is uh, before after Ohm. It's the same for the podcast. Yeah, it's it's for Twitter. Let me double check for Instagram. Instagram might be actually our film title. Okay. Uh, well, um, Atsushi, is there anywhere else people can find you but, online? Yeah. Anyways, oh, um, ah, oh, it's me and the cult leader for. Me and the cult leader. Yes. Okay. Or or Google yeah. my name Atsushi Sakahara. Okay. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. People can find me on Twitter or Instagram and you know Facebook. Good. I, I assume your uh, your book is still out there and available if uh, people want to check that out as well. Ah, uh, I have no. to uh, my uh, autobiography. Yeah. I want to write the autobiography in English. Okay. Okay. Ooh. I'm looking for agent. If they're in good agent, uh, interested, in, please come. You know. <laughs> yeah, really yeah there's an agent out there. Find my people. life is uh, so. I don't know how can I say uh, unbelievable. You yeah, know yeah. why? Like, I don't even talk about uh, totally coincidentally, we won the Palm Doll at Cannes. Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, so seven years ago, oh, no, or five years ago, I taught filmmaking at the school without having made any film. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know That's what, awesome. You know what I'm doing? I'm teaching English at the college now. Yeah. Oh, cool. You know, next year, I'm going to teach economics at the college. <laughs> what, what, what is it? You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> My life is so. I don't know. It's, it's so. You got to go back and teach filmmaking now that you got a film under your belt. I was like, I want to. Like, you keep, you know, I, I cannot live my life, you know. Sometimes I feel very strange, you know. Yeah. I live this life, but I don't believe, you know. I survived in the class, and then I, I met a woman, and I married, and struggled, and pilgrimage, and then. You know what? On the on my way to Tokyo from the pilgrimage, I lost consciousness. Really? And I, yeah. And I, I was sent to the hospital. I found that the, my I had a spine compression fracture. Oh. Without any reason, nobody can tell why it happened to me. Weird. Then it came back. You know. So what can I say? Yeah. It just, it just doesn't stop coming. Yeah. I'm just glad that you're able to take your experiences and turn them into a creative endeavor and into an educational endeavor for schlubs like me who live yeah. a bland, plain, <laughs> uh, safe life. Very uh, unusual. I don't know. I, I don't intend to, but that happens. Like So, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, I wanted to go to the Kyoto University so badly because I made a promise to my friend who killed himself. Mm. Who helped me, the Rabbi Hofberg. He's, uh, he's a Jewish rabbi. Now he's in Prague. Mm. You know, I maintained the friendship, and uh, after I survived the uh, Sabu Saringas attack, right? Mm-hmm. 
his friend from the seminary in New York was a rabbi, only one rabbi in Tokyo. I went to see him for advice, you know, and then he asked me, what are you doing basically, Atsushi? Oh, I'm reading Brothers Kamaz, or oh, you're doing the right thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so but he helped me, the rabbi tried to help me, and the rabbi, Hochberg helped me. He invited me to stay at his place for one year. I spent one year, he, I thanks to him, he, he helped me. 96, I spent one year at the rabbi's place, and then I, I sat in the classroom at the synagogue for the prayer for the bar mitzvah with the Russian immigrants. I have to remember the prayer for the bar mitzvah. I very wide life. That's what I want to write. Uh, I want to share the story with uh, yeah. the people outside of Japan. Yeah. I, it's... In Japan, in Japanese, but uh, also that has a sequel, right? So I have to make it one piece and I want to write it in English and I hope I want to make it the film. Well, okay. I want to read it and I can't read Japanese, so you're going to have to do that. <laughs> because uh, I, I, I would like to read it, but I only know English and a little bit of Spanish, so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right, we well, should let you get to your pizza. Oh, thank you. That's okay. That's okay. Thank you guys very, very much for being on the show here thank and talking with us. us tonight. Yeah, um, thank you. This is yeah. awesome. This is Sushi, we quite really appreciate your movie. And yeah, um, your story is, you know, uh, worth telling and, and just very, your movie is great. Like, we're, we're very excited about it. So, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too. You do um, the same. Yeah, have a and, great uh, morning. Yeah, <laughs> great exactly. Day. Enjoy your day. I think yeah. going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. So there it was. That was our interview with uh, Tsushi Sakahara and Pearl Chan. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah, uh, again, very grateful to both of them for being on the show. And uh, I can't recommend this movie enough. I really hope people are going to get to see it. I think people are going to get to see it. That's why they reached out to us. They wanted to try and spread the word about it. So if you're listening and you've got any resources that can help them, even if you have your own podcast or something, like please reach out to them. They're, they're, they're looking for help to get word out about their movie. And it's really worth seeing. Like Dan and I loved this movie. So um, it, it's worth seeking out. Um, it's really cool. And it's one of those that I think is evergreen thematically, but like yeah. specifically right now in this world moment is pretty valuable. Yes. So it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, that you're going to want to check out. I feel bad because we're like, you want to eat this delicious sandwich? Well, too bad. It's not available. You can't have it. But uh, our hope is that it will become available. But uh, hopefully you got something from that interview. We got pretty in-depth. So, yeah. you know, hopefully you got something there. Yeah. And uh, if you, I don't know, have any questions about I mean, I would reach out to them. But you can also reach out to us at yeah, I Like 2 Movie. You. Yeah. Uh, we're at I Like 2 Movie at gmail.com. It's numeric 2. Twitter, Facebook, I like two movie. Um, you know, reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, if you have questions about uh, their movie or or anything they talked about, and um, you know, just interact with us. We're lonely. We're in quarantine. We need you. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> and um, so yeah, make sure you guys. Uh, I like two movie on everything. Check yep. out our YouTube. Uh, we've been alternating episodes with YouTube. That's gonna switch up a little bit just because we had some scheduling to uh, do. Schedule is crazy. So, there's going to be a one-week delay on YouTube's, but uh, they will be back, and we'll It'll be, be right. doing some prizes there. And you can check out uh, all of my shit at Dan Scully everywhere. 
Um, you can check out my other podcast. It's literally, it, it actually has kind of just become me and my buddy Steve talking about snacks. But um, so good. It's called Hot Properties. So uh, that's available on Spotify. So you can check that out, as well as my better half does a show called Depp Impact, in which uh-huh. she is studying the impact of Johnny Depp by going through his entire filmography. Uh, with a variety of guests, so check out Depp Impact as well. Cinema76.com and Findy.com. Uh, that's it for me. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and uh, <laughs> yeah. Letterboxd at Philadelphia. You can find me on Cinema76.com, where I think it's this week. I will have an article about Speed Racer online. Oh, right on. Uh, which yeah, is I got Escape from L.A. coming up. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I believe Love on Escape Monday that's publishing. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I got thoughts. I got thoughts. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, look us up online, uh, interact with us. We love that. And, uh, you know, we'll see you in a week. Um, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to do movie. <laughs>